listeners, and welcome to another episode of Bring On Your IT Podcast with me, Connor, and as always, Zach is alongside me. Another week, another day, closer to the end of the season, and thank fuck for that, God. When each week we think, it can't get worse, can it? I mean, we've reached your bottom. Manchester United players, if you can even call them that, them little weasels, dig a hole even deeper to our grave. 4-0 to Brighton. Oh, Thank God. Yeah. I, I mean, Terrible. I won't lie. I was at a birthday meal. I saw Caicedo's goal and then I went off to eat. And when I came out, Manchester City fans were laughing at me. It wasn't a good day for anyone involved. I mean, I've never seen Manchester United fans who were the most loyal, supportive fans in the world. Yes, they were singing till the end. But that time, it turned nasty went with the, you know, the young fit-to-wear shirts. I think mm. one man was spared that. Um, I think you know, in about the 85th minute, uh, they, they broke out with some Viva Ronaldo chants just to say, look, mate, we don't blame you. You're, you're, you're the, our Lord and Saviour here. But the rest of them, oh, it, like, is this the worst result you've seen as a United fan or the worst performance, you know, of this abysmal, abysmal run of a few years? Have we finally hit bottom? I mean, it, it's difficult because it's like, how much? The, the scary thing is, I want to say yes, but I'd actually have to think about it because it's not the first time. I mean, I remember under Ollie, obviously, we, we got battered 4 0 at Goodison Park. This season, we've had the 5 0 with Liverpool, the 4 0 with Liverpool. We got smashed by Watford, you know, Ollie's last game. We had the City games, you know, even losing 2 0 at Old Trafford. We didn't even try. Then we got smacked at the Etihad. There have been some appalling games, but yeah, I, th- I think this one feels like the worst just because, I mean, it's Brighton at home. Not only is it just Brighton, no disrespect, but they're also synonymous, as Sky Sports kept reminding us uh, on the coverage, for being bad at home. So how we couldn't even go there and just put in a little bit of effort, I don't know. But it, it just fell apart. I mean, as soon as that second goal went in, it was just like we, we, we just weren't bothered. We were never actually going to try and come back. And yeah, just a disastrous performance. And as I'm sure we'll sort of talk about a little bit, suddenly now there is this danger that we drop down from sixth to seventh. And that's not good at all. We should have been well clear. You know, you can talk about missing out on top four and all that, but I'm seriously worried about having to go to Palace away because if we're getting battered by Brighton at home, Palace are actually a much better unit than Brighton. So, yeah, not good. Dark, dark day. Thank God we've just got two weeks to go or, or less than that now. So, yeah, um, I mean, it's, it's damning. It's damning. The, the stats, the statistics. Worst ever performance in the league, in the Premier League. Even worse than David Moisier. Um, worst performance of a season probably since around 90. 91, but in them two years, throughout the first one winning FA Cup and the European Cup Winners' Cup. So there was some joy at least. I mean, it's worth conceding. We've conceded the most goals ever. I mean, not four years ago under Jose Mourinho, we, we conceded something like 23 goals, 25 goals or something crazy. I mean, we haven't scored that many. We've not we've conceded loads. We haven't had possession. We haven't had anything. It's just been an awful, awful season. And... Thank God it's coming to an end. It's quite fitting that the Ralph Rangnick um, account, of it, the Ralph Rangnick days opened with Crystal Palace and they will close with Crystal Palace. Um, hopefully it will be a Fred Wonder strike, but we'll be looking forward to that game next week. But yeah, back to this one. I mean, these players, they've got a lot to do now to rebuild that relationship with the fans, the trust, 
that just the heart and soul of the, the fact that it's been ripped out of this team. I mean, we've, we've been doing a stock check, but not many of them did themselves a favour on Saturday. Um, it was embarrassing. It, it's just awful. I just always, what I keep thinking is, what must Eric Ten Hag be thinking? He'll have sat down to watch that game because his Ajax team plays Sunday. So he just sat down, half six, you know, in uh, Holland, probably had a glass of wine. I won't be surprised if he, if he smashed the glass over the ball watching that, that lot run around. Oh, Wouldn't shock you. I mean, how 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 is he going to cope? I mean, on Wednesday, obviously, he's playing a, a potentially a title-winning game with Ajax. Uh, he's got two chances, I think, now to win the league. He's just got to get a win in his last two games. How do you go from a title-winning side to this? I mean... I mean, talk talk about a drop. Talk about like we're going to really throw him in at the deep end, and we're going to see pretty early on if he's if he's got what it takes, what he's about as a manager. But yeah, I mean, just from the surface, I mean, we don't even know what's going on behind the scenes. We hear little leaks and stuff, and we see what Ralph Ranić's saying. But it's one thing hearing that; we're actively seeing it now. And as you say, yeah, it's it's going to take a lot for these players to to earn that relationship back. Personally, I think what we've got to do as fans from next season is treat every single player, maybe with the exception of Ronaldo and De Gea, who've had good seasons, as a complete clean slate. We've got to forget agendas. We've got to forget biases. We've got to forget form. We've got to accept that the majority of these players are still going to be here next year and they're going to be a part of this so-called rebuild, as we're sort of referring to it as. I think we've just got to forget about it. You know, whoever plays well in the opening couple of games next season that they're in, anyone who plays bad, drop them, give someone else a chance. And we've just got to forget it happened. I mean, we're seeing it now with Arsenal, who struggled for a couple of years. They've got players now who weren't necessarily great at first. They were getting better and are now sort of beloved by the fans as such. And and that's what we've got to try and do. We've got to try and rebuild these players, give them a second chance and just, and just hope. But yeah, a lot of them, I mean, not all fans think like that. I think a lot of these players could struggle to come back from this now. I mean, as you've said, it's turned nasty. I mean, we let's go back through them stats. I mean, the worst uh, Premier League season ever, the lowest points total. I mean, I'm not even that bothered about that. You know, I think Ollie's first full season where we finished third, we had two more points than we did under Moyes. So sometimes the points, you know, you could finish third, you could finish seventh with some crappy points. So uh, sometimes you're, I know it's shit where we are, but we'll go finish sixth, which is high where we finished under Moyes. So we'll be in Europe, but well, we might finish sixth. Of course, we'll go get onto that. So that one doesn't concern me, but the goals conceded. I mean, you look at our goal difference, plus one. Burnley, they've conceded less goals than us. Um, I think every t- you know, I think only Norwich, Leeds and Everton might have conceded more goals than us this season. I mean, that, that's worrying. Especially when oh. David De Gea is doing everything he can. I mean... Where would we be without David De Gea? Um, that's such a weird thing to think about because it's the first time ever. Sorry, we've lost. Um, we've lost. I think four games this season by four goals or more. I mean that is embarrassing. Under Sarks Ferguson, I mean even under Mourinho and Urolli before, but under Sarks Ferguson, we lost three times. I think uh, by more than four goals in his entire Premier League history. Yeah, well, I think I think on David De Gea, I mean, I don't want to take anything away from his season because he's been fantastic. But 
You'd almost say it'd be hard for him not to have made so many good saves with the amount of shots he's actually facing. Like our defense is, I think, non-existent is genuinely a fair way of looking at it. It doesn't matter what partnership we do. It doesn't matter which fullbacks we play. Whether we have our fullbacks pushing forward or sitting back, it doesn't matter whether Maguire plays, whether Varane's injured. You know, I, I mean, I think we all assume that. Varane being injured was this thing that was pulling us down and that if he could suddenly come back into the squad and start playing games that we'd be better I don't even I'm starting to lose faith Varane's playing and he's not helping us concede less goals you know Maguire's the one who seems to get attacked a lot but it seems like it's all of them they're, they're all making mistakes so yeah I mean the, the goals conceded is going to have to be something that we that we make a change to and whether that'll mean next season playing more defensive whether it'll mean just signing a whole load of defenders I'm not too sure what the answer is but it's a difficult thing trying to create a team that can essentially go from conceding all these goals to stop conceding goals but also still have players going forward to score them you'd think the best way we're going to do it next season is park the bus but as we learned from like Louis van Gaal you can't get away with that at Old Trafford. He'll be expected to play attacking, exciting football and, and our defenders are going to have to seriously improve. People have spoken before about Maguire, how he struggles in a high line. You know, he plays better in teams that don't play a high line and that don't play as attacking because that sort of hides some of his faults. I don't think he's ever going to have that luxury at United. We're still going to have to play a similar way to how they're expected. And yeah, really going to have to sort it out. It's it's yeah. worrying. I mean, I, I've talked about the fullbacks a few times on this podcast, yeah, especially Tellers and Dallow, and they're just not good enough. They proved again at the weekend. You know, the reactions, the positioning, the def- defensive awareness, the now of being a defender in the Premier League, I just don't think they have it. And I really like Dallow. Uh, I was actually calling for him. I'll hold my hands up and say I was calling for him to be ahead of Wambasaka. But, I mean, Wambasaka's confidence is shot being dropped all this time. And yeah, it's just... We're in this weird position. I, I think the players have given up. You know, we've we've been on this downward trajectory since the Champions League exit. Ronaldo has literally been the one who's pulled us out of all these games since the Champions League uh, exit. He's the one who's got the two hat tricks, the all the goals. You know, he's he's been the one pulling us towards Champions League. And the thing mm. is, I, well, you know, I, I'm not trying to put a positive spin on this. I'm actually quite pissed off about this. As shit as we've been. Even now, we what four, 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 five points off Champions League, sort of. So if we hadn't a down tools, if we hadn't been, you know, it's so inconsistent, we, we'd have been up there quite easily. And I think that's quite damning on the teams above us. You know, your Tottenham's and your Arsenal's. Well, we've been this crap. Yeah, they're being inconsistent too, especially Tottenham. We're not that far off. And I think while we're in this meltdown, everyone's applauding Arsenal, rightly so, they're going to finish fourth we've not been that far off and it's only come in the last like month I'd say but I mean you've got two sides mm. of this you've got you've got to look at the players but you've also got to look at Ralph Radnick he's not immune to criticism yes he does all this brilliant thing in the press he's out in players he's out in the club you know recently talked about them saying no to a transfer uh, to a Diaz uh, the Volovic uh, from Florentina and even Alvarez who City signed for the summer and but on the pitch, it's it's probably not been good enough. It's you know I'm not saying he could fix all the problems magically, especially over a six month period. But it's just where it all went wrong. I still can't put my finger on where all this went wrong. I was listening to Gary Neville um, on his podcast uh, this week, and you do look at the end of last season, how much of a high we were on. We've talked about this before, but like and then even when we start the season, you know 
the wave of goodness up to about the Aston Villa game at Old Trafford where Bruno missed a penalty. I'm guessing I'm pinpointing that as the game where it started to go wrong, but I don't know what caused it to go wrong. And it's just it's so strange. There was no indication of this coming whatsoever. No, that and that's the frustrating thing is this team is actually incredibly similar to the one that we all loved last season. So trying to piece together what happened, I mean, you could turn around and say maybe the Europa League final. Maybe if we won that penalty shootout, we keep on momentum. We make I don't know more signings. Maybe I, I don't know. Uh, Ollie stays on a high. We keep pushing on. Everyone's happy, but. You know, I look at City this last couple of weeks. Obviously, their terrible result against Real Madrid knocked out of the Champions League. Probably their best chance to win it this... I mean, obviously, last season as well. But they had another great chance of winning this season. They just bounced back straight away. They went and smashed Newcastle, who've been the third best-performing side this calendar year. 5-0 at their own home. You know, I mean... That's how you respond. So I'm not necessarily sure that we can say losing the Europa League was an excuse. And as you say, it's just slowly sort of capitulated. We've just had this loss of confidence. And it's sort of, it's almost like it's just been bad timing. I mean, I, I don't want to sort of get clipped up and memed here and call out a player like Mohamed Salah because he's one of the best players in the world. But you look at Liverpool. This last few months, Salah's not quite been where he was at the first half of the season. I think that's fair to say. But it doesn't matter because their entire team is confident and on form. Even when their best player is not playing at his 10 out of 10 level, he's more of a 7 out of 10 level, they'll still keep winning. We've had this unlucky situation this season where every single one of our players has run out of confidence at exactly the same time and has gone from, I don't know, whatever their highest, 7 out of 10 probably, they're not the best players, or 8 out of 10 to just 4, 3 out of 10s every week. And it's like... <laughs> it's incredibly unlucky when you think about it, but yeah, trying to actually piece together why it's happened seems almost impossible. I, I couldn't tell you, and I don't think many people can tell you. There doesn't seem to be an answer out there. It's just rubbish. I, I do wonder if Ralph Ragnick might spill the beans. Um, I mean, he's got to take some blame at one, one point. You know, he didn't really take responsibility for what happened. He just said, we've got to say sorry to the fans. It wasn't good enough. But, you know, maybe in this consultancy role where he's not really tied to the club, you know, he's away with Austria, we might find some, you know, he might be able to explain. He's definitely going to be sitting down with Eric Ten Hag to explain uh, why we're so shit at defending and what needs to be done. And that's what I mean. You you, you uh, touched on Varane. We are a club at the moment, over the last five, six years, who, Man City, they take players in and make them better. You know, Bernardo Silva, Sterling. I mean, Sterling is a goal machine under Pep Guardiola. It's not even the coach. It's you no, know, we can't blame the coach for this because coaches come in and somehow get worse. Um, we're just this club that's so talent out of players at the, and confidence and charisma and everything out of people at the moment. We're like a, you know, we're a killing machine of careers. You, you look at Moran, mm. he's got worse. Mourinho, Van Gaal. I mean, the amount of players that have come through our doors have left unhappy or shit. Sanchez, you know, Di Maria. Um, Dean Murray has rebuilt his career but the amount of players and talent and coaches and managers that have come through this door and then left it the other side it just crumbled it, it's a worrying ring a club in decay at the moment but you know there's changes on the way and let's just hope they, they, they fix the things you know we're changing a lot in the boardroom level with uh, Arnold Murtagh Fletcher um, he's making a lot of changes Arnold which I, I just can't see as Good, but one thing that has changed over the last five years, swiftly moving on from that disgusting performance at the weekend, is our academy. Um, 
five six years ago we we were mile a million miles away from uh, Manchester City from Chelsea from uh, Tottenham uh, probably the three best examples in the country and and now uh, in twenty four hours time our under eighteens will be in the Youth Cup final for the first time in a decade since two thousand eleven when Paul Pogba and Jesse Lingard who incidentally are in disarray at the club and are about to leave for a free featured and Harry Maguire also featured for Sheffield United it's the longest gap we've had in the youth uh, cup final for over 40 years I think over 50 years um, but we're finally back there we will be playing Nottingham Forest who have Warren Joyce our former under 23s manager as their coach over 61 and a half thousand tickets have been sold and that is just crazy um, that is as Andy Mitten brilliantly put it That'll be the biggest attendance in England outside games held at Wembley this season and Manchester United home games for the senior team. So it's bigger than your Stamford Bridge, you know, because, I mean, best games can't uh, allow that capacity. But it's crazy that 61,500 people who have all helped charity as well because each uh, each pound of a ticket is going to the Manchester United Foundation will be there watching under-18s football in, in the biggest youth competition in the world. It's just brilliant to see, and we've got some amazing, talented players, and I'm I'm really proud of the club and the fan base for for making this happen. Oh, I think it's just one of the most impressive and and great things to come out of this season in such a bad season. I think the way that we've got behind our youth players, and yeah, as you say, this incredible record-setting attendance is just. I think it's something to be really proud of. You know, we, we are a proud club. People take the mick out of us for always talking about our history and, and depending on that now. But the Youth Academy is a massive part of what has made Manchester United over the years and what's given us our success. And you look at these young players now growing up and they'll be looking at the first team and they'll be thinking, I don't want to end up there. I don't, I don't want to have to play for Manchester United first team. But giving them that experience at Old Trafford on Wednesday, the chance to lift silverware in front of more than 60,000 United fans, that's the sort of thing that shows them actually, hang on, this is why we're at Manchester United. This is why we want to play for the first team. This is why we need to stick around and fight for our place. Because, you know, I don't know what the atmosphere will be like, but I hope it's absolutely bouncing. I hope we really give them some support and give them a reason to want to fight to play for play for the first team in the next couple of seasons. Because as you said, there are some really talented players there. But yeah, I guess the last thing I'd say on it is I also think, in some way, this is a really damning look at how bad United's first team has been. Because I think I'd be asking the question, do we think we'd have sold out this many tickets if the first team had been doing well? And that's not me trying to call out United fans for like a lack of loyalty or something. But I've seen a lot of people sort of saying, oh, we really want to go to this Youth Cup final because we can finally watch a game and enjoy it at Old Trafford. And it's like... Well, do you know what? Hey, at least if a positive's coming out of out of a negative, then I'm happy for them. And yeah, I just really hope they win it. And yeah. as we sort of spoke about just quickly before we started the podcast, Tan Hag has got a chance to win the Eredivisie on Wednesday. It could be a very successful night for us. Yeah. Uh, our new manager winning silverware and all the young lads winning it no, too. So I'm looking forward to it. You do pose a good question about the amount of tickets being sold. I guess, the one, obviously, Cy uh, Lloyd, a, a great journalist for the Joe, tweeted out, he's a United fan too, about it last night. He got a load of City fans doing his comments, you know, abusing him. Oh, it's only £1 a ticket. Uh, I think that's brilliant. I, like Manchester United get a lot of things wrong. 
I mean, way too many things wrong. I mean, the amount of things we have to get angry about, you know, the cup scheme, stuff like that, you're automatic. We've got rid of that recently. But £1 a ticket to go to charity, all go to charity. So it's £60,000 so far going to the Manchester United Foundation. A lot of people, uh, there'll be a lot of season ticket holders and your actual, you know, United going fans going to this game. But a lot of it, you know, it might be kids and families getting their first opportunity to go to Old Trafford uh, to watch football there. Not to, it's not like a pre-season friendly either. It's a final. It'll be a proper atmosphere. It'll be quite sold out. It'll be big. It'll be busy. So it's almost like their first proper experience of going. I just I can't fault any of it at all. And I'm really excited to be going. I'm taking my girlfriend for her first ever game, probably her last as well. But we tried. Um, and yeah, I'm just excited to see players like Ganacho. I mean, Ganacho, Charlie McNeil, Charlie McNeil, um, Joe Hugo, There's some Fernandez. There's some really exciting stars in this team, um, who, especially Ganacho, who's I've watched. I watched for the quarterfinals and semifinals at Old Trafford. Him scoring, the celebrations, you know, everything. He just he's pumped for it. He's obviously made his debut recently, and it is an exciting time to be a, a Manchester United youth fan uh, because there are going to be some players, I, just like in any youth team, we'll be lucky if one or two make it into the first team. But from this crop, I can definitely see. A few of them getting a few appearances next season, and if they win it, I'd be starting players like Gennaro um, Fernandez um, against Crystal Palace uh, in the final game because they've got something to prove. They're young, they're hungry. Don't be starting Jesse Lingard who just wants his goodbye. Play players like Gennaro, um reward them for their success with a final day victory or final day game. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I mean, I, I'm truthfully, I'm still a little bit nervous about that last game. As I've sort of said, obviously, West Ham now three points behind us, but with better goal difference. They've got an extra game, but obviously that's City, so you'd imagine they lose that. But going into that last game of the season, obviously, if we lose and West Ham win, they overtake us and we're in the Conference League. So I am a little bit nervous about it, but it would certainly make a statement and it'd certainly be a really good opportunity if we did manage to get at least a point or a win and, and confirm sixth place and some of those youth academy players play a part in it having just won a trophy that is almost like a career making moment i mean again is that a bit embarrassing to say is that how the mighty have fallen that we're trying to fight for sixth place maybe but at the end of the day that's the job we've got to do that that's our objective now we've got one game to confirm sixth and and if these young lads can go in and play a part of that and, and achieve their goal in one game, then then fair play to them. And it'd certainly be a, a good impression to make on the new manager. I mean, he's already said publicly how he'd much rather be in the Europa League than the Conference League. So he'd have them to, to thank and give a pat on the back to. So, yeah, I, I'm with you. I mean, we've almost got to this point now as well where for some reason our squad is so thin that you'd think they'll almost certainly be on the bench at least. So, yeah, why not give them a go after after some of the performances at Brighton? I agree. What what can it hurt, really? Nothing to lose. And the last thing we're going to do today is go do our final uh, squad check, you know, our final stock list, and we are onto the forwards. And I think this is probably the most interesting one, you know, there's a few players who have just got very uncertain futures in this forward line, who have underperformed so badly this season, who have had different seasons. Uh, yeah, there's a f- some really good players, and obviously there's the biggest question mark of all, which we will get to last. But we might as well start with Sancho. I mean, no one's got no one's get rid of him. He don't want to go. He's been here a year. I think he started off slow. You know, he's had a few injuries, a bit of illness, but, but like in the middle part of the season, he was really. He was doing amazing. He was doing really well. We we shot. We saw that star that was at Dortmund that plays for England, 
and I'm confident next season we will see the best of Jay Sancho. I mean, there's no point really discussing him too much about his future. <laughs> no, no, I, I completely agree. I mean, has he has he set the world alight like he was doing at Dortmund? No, but again, he's only just joined and he's and he's come straight into a really rubbish team. And yeah, he was a bright spark at one point in this season, which I think for any player to have had even just a couple of months when they were in good form means they've had a better season than most. Yeah. Uh, but but as as we've said, you know, we've got so many players to replace. It's about it's about priorities now. And Jaden Sancho is about as low down on our list of priorities. He's young. He's had an all right season. He's got potential to get even better. Yeah, he starts next season 100%. We'll move on to Anthony Langer. Uh, a few people have said he's, he might be better to go out on loan. There was even talk of him going out on loan in January, but Ralph Rodnick decided to stick him in the team uh, and let him have a go. And he's, he's done well in matches. You know, there's, I mean, again, like we say, he's young, he's 19, he's coming to a pretty shit team who are a mess. And he, he's had difficult spells. He might not be the best on the ball quality wise compared to someone like when Rashford broke in. But I. I People say we're not excited as him as a talent. I think that's a bit strange to hear. I, I'm I'm still excited about him, but yeah, I, I would not. It depends who we sign. You know, there's talk about uh, new, uh, Nunez uh, from Benfica and uh, stuff like that. So yeah, I guess it just depends on who we bring in and who goes really to what happens with Alanga. If he's happy to be third, fourth choice coming off the bench a lot, or if he wants to get some first team action uh, next season. Yeah, well, I think my thoughts on Alanga is I think when he who must not be named obviously was released from the squad or suspended, I think we almost turned around as a fan base and were like, hang on, we're United. We need a young player who is our our next big star. And we kind of turned to Alanga as the only one. And for a little bit, you know, he did well. And then obviously that night in Madrid where he scored that goal, it was like, get in there. You know, we've done it. We've got our new guy who's going to come in. He's going to be this superstar Maybe he's not that. Maybe he's not the guy to start all season and get us back to where we were. But as you say, I mean, you need squad players. That, that it's so crucial. I think I spoke about Liverpool last week having about five top quality forwards to play. You know, we're not going to have that luxury. But when you have a player like Alanga, who's energetic, he's young, he's got potential, he is capable of of, of contributing. He's got a couple of goals this season. Obviously, assists a really good assist against Brentford for Bruno's goal uh, in that game. Yeah, I'd like to see him stick around and also just put in some competition for, for players. I mean, Rashford feels a little bit, you know, I'm sure we'll get on to him a little bit, like he's just not got it. Even when he comes on off the bench, he's not really threatening. He's not looking like he deserves to start. But I'm sure if Alanga was on the bench next but was being brought on, Sancho or potentially right winger, should we start him over him? He'll, he'll ask some questions and and again, I think I've mentioned this on a lot of podcasts already before, so I'll sound like a bit of a broken record for the whole of the summer. But when you're in the Europa League, you need players who are happy to play those games, but also accept that they're not going to start every league match. And I think Kalanga could be that player. Yeah, we will get on to Rashford. After the forgotten man, the guy out of loan, Magikin Marshall, has just been stuck still or stood on the, the sidelines in survey because I think he's been injured for so long. Uh, what what we, My opinion, selling, cashing now, he had that great season under Oli during lockdown. Um, I remember Hattrick at Sheffield United, you know, the play between him, uh, Rashford and the other guy, like you said. Um, but he's just falling off a cliff. He, he's just not got that fight or that desire, I don't think. He hasn't got 
Um, he, he's just not got it, has he? And he's not happy sat on the bench for Manchester United. So, I mean, I'd happily... You know, he's giving us some great moments, but I, the time has come for a parting of the ways. Um, whether you can get rid of him with the wages he's on and what transfer fee will go command for him, I mean, I'd just be happy to just get 30 million, 40 million for him at this rate. I think he's got two years left for his contract, so I think we could still get a decent fee. Yeah, I, I mean, I, th- I think, t- to be fair to him, he's not always had it easy at United, obviously. He came in under Van Hall as a striker, came in and contributed massively to us winning the FA Cup. After that, suddenly he got his number nine stripped on it, stripped off him after he just started a clothing brand based around him being that number. Yeah, yeah, he got basically told, you were our striker, you're now our winger because Latam plays there. So he's not always had it easy. And as you say, he has had patches where he's been he's been really good. Um but it has hit the point now where his heart isn't in it. You know, whether he is lazy or not, I'm not too sure. But the way he comes across on the pitch comes across as lazy. And I think that's fine then if you're backing it up with world-class performances. But when you're playing bad and appear to be lazy, it just rubs people up the wrong way. And, and you just don't get the feeling he's the guy to, to come in and, and help Tan Hag for, you know, change our fortune. So, yeah, w- whether we can sell him, I think that's just going to be the problem with so many players this summer. So many players who have managed to manipulate the fact that our board is just completely thick uh, and they've got bigger wages than they ever should have been on. So whether we'll ever find people to come in and sign them, whether we're going to have to drop their price tags by like half or something it, it could be could be pretty rough we could we could end up losing a lot of money on these players but if we can get rid of him i think so i mean i said to you as well before we record the podcast i remember sky tweeting a couple of weeks ago about this 42 million pound swap deal with lautaro martinez maybe a swap deal is the way to go i don't really know the business ins and outs but i'd happily see him move on now yeah someone I, I, i'm i'm caught between i, I just I don't know what I want. I want what's best for him, I think. I, I love Marcus Rashford uh, as a person first, you know, what he's done, the abuse he gets for the stuff he's done in the community from. I, I'm going to say a lot of people, I know there's a lot of people in this country, you know, there's a lot of gammon heads who don't, you know, you shouldn't be putting football first. I mean, they're just threatened probably because of the people they vote for are fucking useless and he's having to sort it out. Um, but a lot of the abuse probably does come from abroad and they don't see the impact he's had on... Uh, Manchester uh, on the UK as a whole but especially uh, my girlfriend lives in the area where Marcus Rashford comes from um, and the the impact he's had on that community and the impact he still has you know, like he's a cult hero he, he should be like the mayor he could be like the mayor of Manchester almost uh, Andy Bergen's a great guy but yeah um, but as a footballer this season since obviously he missed that penalty at the Euros and I just don't know if he's ever recovered from that you know the heartbreak of the semi uh, the final loss in Gdansk for final, obviously for Euros. Uh, yeah, I just, he doesn't seem happy. I don't know where it is. He, he's so glum. That, that spark, I thought when he scored that last minute goal against West Ham, I thought, right, that's the thing that's going to spark his season. You know, he's the happiness, the joy, the relief. And then he seemed to got even worse since then. And I just don't know what happens now. Hopefully, there's reports that. Eric Ten Hag loves Rashford, which he should because he's a quality player on his day. But we've just not seen that enough this season. I think you mentioned the Euros final. I remember that penalty, obviously, I think we all do really well. That did feel at the time like it could be a turning point. That did feel rough when he missed that. I mean, I, 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 
said again on the last podcast about how I love seeing United players do well for England. And so far, that had been a good final for us. Shaw had scored in the first couple of minutes. Maguire then went and took one of the greatest penalties I've ever seen. And then it just went terribly for us with Rashford and Sancho. And you did feel like he suddenly went in that split second from just a hero of the country to, to villain, number one. And he just hasn't been the same since. Now, a lot of people online, and as you say, maybe some of them are international fans, and that's not me trying to call people out, but people who don't have that same connection that some of us do, do say that we make excuses for Rashford because of you know he's a Manchester boy. But I think sometimes that's not necessarily a bad thing, as in... You know, we we criticise other teams for having no players from their youth academies and stuff like that. It's nice to see someone who's grown up local to Manchester United, a Manchester United fan through and through, thriving in the first team and winning trophies. And that does make me want to see him do well. And it probably does make me want him to stay more than other players. So in general, would I sell in this season? Probably not. Because again, I think there's so many more players you want to get rid of first. But the football hasn't been good this last year his confidence is absolutely shot I think he needs to pick it up pretty soon otherwise he could be on that list in in a year or so's time for sure because he's been absolutely awful let's be absolutely honest as you say the West Ham winner was great but he's just been a shadow of him of his former self I mean I just remember I I remember a Villa game at the cup and just watching him like it was one of the times I didn't get in the Stratford I sat in the site's first uh, stand really high up so it's almost like a bird's eye view of the game and the effort he was just not putting in that game it was oh at half time I remember just the fury at him um, um, but obviously that one chance where people thought he should have got there but it turned out it actually a bit harder than it was but yeah it, I think he he's not lucky that's the wrong word but we like you say we're not going to be able to get with everyone and with Cavani going with the other guy who should never play for us again um and obviously, Martial was saying at the door. I mean, if you take them out of the equation, you've got Langer, Rashford, and Ronaldo, and Sancho. That's four players for three positions. So he's got to stay back because we're not going to be signing four forwards this summer. Yeah. So no. He doesn't get scared about because we are very. We, at one point, we, we had too many cooks in that kitchen at the start of this season when we signed Ronaldo. I mean, there were talks, oh, it's too full up there. And once January, once January the thirty first had moved on, we we had no one there, and that's why Ralph wanted to bring in a forward, but the board didn't want to. And exactly. It, he knew what had happened, so I guess you've got to give you know Ralph a bit of like, oh yeah, he wanted to bring someone in, but the board won't let him, and that's why we're so light up front now, um, which is crazy to think like the three month swing of under Solskjaer where it was too full to too empty. And let's end on the biggest question on all Manchester United fans. Cristiano Ronaldo. Oh, I mean, it's an easy one. I want it to stay. I was quite confident he would. And then there's been a lot of... I mean, I love journalists. I'm a qualified journalist, but I love the amount of different reports of Ronaldo. You see the son yesterday. Uh, fat man, what's he called? He's got on Twitter. Custis, Custard. Neil Custard. Um talking about uh, if he, if Eric Ten Hag wants him, he'll stay. Uh, he's had talks with Sarats Ferguson, he's got Simon Bates. There's reports that he's definitely staying. He doesn't want to see him maybe running away. There's not many reports of him saying he wants to leave, which is good. And Fabrizio Romano was on a... I, saw, I didn't watch it, obviously, but he was on 
uh, Yak stand uh, yesterday saying he doesn't want to leave, you know. He's happy to stay. He wants to try and bring this club back to its glory. You know, he loves the club. So I'm pretty confident he will stay. And trust me, according to Jason Burt, I think he's one of my favourite journalists from The Telegraph, uh, said Eric Ten Hag, sources close to him on the Ten Hag side. He wants to build this team around Ronaldo for the year. So all, all indications saying he's got to stay and we need him because, I mean, if it's got any, if next season's going to be like this one, we need him to stay up. Ah. Uh. <laughs> yeah, a million percent. Um, yeah, I, th- I think I think Ronaldo, obviously, everywhere he's gone, everywhere in his career, he's been successful. For me, the most impressive thing he could do now is stay at Manchester United, take the sort of almost humiliating step down into the Europa League that no one ever thought he was going to do and play a massive part in the beginning of us coming back and, and becoming what we once were. You know, he probably won't be here for the whole thing. I highly doubt now he's going to be here and win a Premier League or a Champions League with United in his return, unfortunately. But be the one who initiates us coming back to to glory. You know, it'd, it'd be so easy for him now to go, OK, I want to make loads of money. Let's go to the MLS. Or, OK, I want to win some trophies. Let's go to PSG or go back to Madrid. But... You know, Ronaldo in his career, he's never left jobs half finished. Even when he went to Juve, which you could argue wasn't the most successful time of his career, he still what won the Golden Boot, won the league, won the cup. He still he still ticked every box, didn't he? Uh, you know, he went to Madrid, he ticked every single box there. He ticked every box when he was at United the first time round. He doesn't leave jobs half, half you know half done. So for him to leave United now would almost feel like he's ch- chickening out, and he's I just don't think away, that's him. Yeah. No. So I think I think he will stay, and I think that's exciting. And w- yeah, we'll have to deal with the whole the trolling on Twitter, and everyone will be tweeting those pictures of him when he's got the Europa League badges on, and and that's going to hurt. But there is nothing I would like more. I think I googled it. I think the Europa League finals in Budapest next year. Uh, there is nothing I would like more than a Cristiano Ronaldo winning goal, win it one nil, win it two one or something, lift that trophy in his last game for United end it on a high that for me would be more impressive than him going elsewhere and winning a league oh, at an easy team personally you know, you know Jose Mourinho that, that thing of um, second with United is my great, one of my greatest achievements winning the Europa mm. League or, like, if we like next season we win the Europa League which to be fair we probably will be favourites for even how crap we've been this season going out on that yeah. sunset with uh, that Europa League with Cristiano Ronaldo um, even doing what maybe even getting a cup you know if a Europa League or a cup uh, the Carling Cup, let's say, uh, whatever it's Carabao, um, like that could be one of his greatest things. Setting this United team back on the way. I mean, we we heard David Beckham at the Grand Prix talking about how much love Ronaldo has for a club. I mean, he does. Like, I'm not just saying this because I'm a Man United fan. There's no other club in the world that would love Ronaldo more if he went. Like, we idolise that man for what twelve years after he left. Most home games, ninety percent home games. There'd be a course of Viva Ronaldo. I mean, he, you know, he's he's a god at our club. He's up there with your Canting Arts, your Bobby Charles, Ryan Giggs, Paul Scholes. He's a, a Wayne Rooney. He's a pure legend, and he knows he won't probably get his good money anywhere. He's going to have a wage cut because he's missed out on the Champions League. But I think at this stage of his career, other than PSG, I don't think he'd go anywhere else, and I don't think he'd want to go with where Messi is sort of thing. I don't think that would work. So. It's almost like we're stuck with each other, but in a good way. You know, he's 
he's got another chance at 38 to prove he's the best of all time by scoring another 20 Premier League goals next season. I think that'd be one of the great stories ever. A 38-year-old scoring 20 Premier League goals or more. And, yeah, bring up him versus Haaland. Uh, bring it on. I saw a great <laughs> I saw a great tweet yesterday that he's got he's still got to score more. Uh, the guy asked Sky Bet for the odds for uh, Ronaldo to score more than Ronaldo. I'd put it at uh, fifteen to one. I'll slap a tenner on. I'd love a Ronaldo golden boot next season. I I also think the interesting thing to say about Ronaldo is we're all talking about him leaving for football. I think he's just settled in Manchester since he's come back. You know, he's just had a, obviously he's welcomed a, a young daughter. Uh, his kid seems to be doing well and seems to be happy in in the United Academy setup. I mean, that video of him and Matic's kid recreating their goal was I don't know if you saw it. Oh, I love yeah, that. Yeah. No, I get. Yeah, that's a brilliant uh, point. Um, and you know, is he is he immediately want to just go and leave? Is he gonna? You know, he's got kids. They're in school. Like it, it'd be a bit rushed. I, I, you know, they they seem happy where they are. You know, yeah. maybe even, he just wants to stay on, on a personal level as well. Yeah, I mean, uprooting your family, especially with what's going on in the last few weeks, you know, the, the horrible mm. side to it as well. You know, he, again, yeah, his family's really settled, apparently. Like, there was even reports at the beginning of the season, like after about two months of him being here, probably around Oct- uh, late October time, that he was just he was considering a live in Manchester when he retires. Um, you know, and that's, you know, he's he lived here for what? Uh, 10 years almost when he first joined you know about 8 years it's probably second home but in Madrid you know he's, he's very I've, I've got to say if if he's picking living in Manchester over Lisbon or, or Madrid or whatever you're wondering if all those headers have, have given him some sort of brain damage over the years oh, I mean you you, would, you wouldn't choose it to, to live in rainy England would you when you've got all the places he could go and be hailed as a hero yeah. but hey it says it says a lot if, if someone who's coming from sunny Portugal would want to live in Manchester, he must absolutely love it here. And, uh, to end the podcast, um, I think Eric Ten Hag might have some brain injuries. He enjoyed that chat about him, but I don't know if you've seen it. Uh, you have a one hand tea. I mean, no, Eric, please, please, no, don't encourage him. It's not a good chat. We'll, we'll think of a better one for you. I, th- I think should we just start something now? If if any if anybody listening to this is in Old Trafford next season and hears that chance start, should we all just agree we just start singing Viva Ronaldo until we just drown it out? Like we cannot let that take off in Old Trafford. It is one thing in where the spoons just outside, but no, yeah. not happening. Report them to your nearest steward. Oh yeah, Eric. If you say it's good chat again, what an abysmal chance. If if you say it's good chat again. I will, I'm Carl Angelotti. I'll, I'll get it trending Ted Hag out. Don't you worry. Uh, but yes. Oh, yeah, 100%. Um, but thank you for listening, guys, or watching on YouTube, because this one's actually going out on YouTube. Uh, please do consider subscribing, liking, commenting, all your thoughts about the stock check, maybe, who you keep, who you get rid of in that forward line. Of course, if you're listening on Spotify, do give us a five-star rating or Apple Podcasts. But until next time, guys, when we'll be back to preview the final, final, final game, thank God, of this horrible, horrible season, and wish goodbye, wave goodbye to uh, Ralph Ragnick. Um, we'll be back next Wednesday to preview that. Look back, hopefully, on uh, an Ajax League title, and Eric Ten Hag, a beautiful baldy, celebrating. And, of course, hopefully, our under-18s will be the best team in England with the FA Cup, the FA Youth Cup. Um, I'll be there tomorrow, so if you give us a follow on Twitter, you'll see all the stuff from it. You know, some nice pictures of a lot of beers, probably, and a few sing songs in the pub. But until next week, guys, 
Goodbye.